G'day, welcome to this episode of the Military Mindset for Business podcast, where it's a real pleasure for me to introduce Jim today. Now, there are some brands in Australia that are just so iconic, they're infused in just the way of life. Now, funny enough, I probably see Jim's face more than my mum. I saw Jim's face this morning, actually, when I was taking my kids to school. But uh, you might be surprised that Jim doesn't actually have a beard. And Jim also has a surname. So Jim Penman uh, from the Jim's Group, welcome to the Military Mindset for Business podcast. Yeah, good to be here. A pleasure. Um, so Jim, a really quick introduction. I was a horticulturalist in a former life before I joined the military. Uh, and as part of my horticulture studies, I loved parks and gardens. So for many years in uh, the time before I joined the military, I was, uh, you know, I literally pushed mowers. Um, I worked for a Jim's mowing franchise up in Townsville. Some great people, uh, Lloyd and Shirley Moody up there. And I actually joined the military from uh, working for a Jim's franchise. But one of the things I used to really love uh, about my mowing days was when there was a test cricket match on and I had to sit on a ride mower for five days, I could sit and mow lawns for five days listening to the test match and feel like I was actually being a constructive human on the planet. So, um, but less of me, more of you, Jim. Um, can you go back and tell me what started this really iconic brand in Australia? Go right back to the start. Well, I was doing gardening jobs from the time I was eight years old for a neighbour. I used to go and rake their driveway and put rubbish around, just clean up and generally started quite early, did it most of my childhood. Um, when I went to university, Actually, I took a gap year and I started a gardening business then. Um, that was in 1970. And then I went to the, when I went to university, I, I did a, um, a degree and eventually a PhD in history of all things. And um, gardening and then lawn mowing was my part-time business, which was great because it was you know outdoors and it paid pretty well uh, compared with a normal student job. And I just loved, I loved being in nature. I loved being outside. I loved being physically active. So it suited me really well. And then right. I came to the end of my PhD. I was hoping for an academic career. That was completely out of the question. Obviously, my ideas were far too radical for any university. So I just, what do I know how to do? Well, the only thing I can do is mow lawns for a living. So I started pushing a lawnmower around full time. And that was in 1982 when I was 30 years old. There's something about uh, the serenity of you know doing this doing this simple job, which is just mowing lawns. And when you get in there, like I used to take real pleasure in just having things nice and sharp, super tidy, edges done perfect, hedges immaculate. Um, but, you know, I actually really, really enjoyed the work. And mm. I'm, I must admit, like I'm a business owner nowadays. I've been, a, I'm, I've been a soldier. But if someone actually asked me, Pete, how would you describe yourself? I'd have to go back and say, I'm a gardener at heart. Yeah. Well, interestingly, if you ask me what my hobbies are, one of my hobbies is actually gardening. I don't mow lawns for a living anymore, but I love to go out to my farm and I've got a bit, couple of decent sized veggie patches and I'm putting in peas and beans and carrots and all kinds of things. And I love doing that. I just love being outside. My, my, my fingernails are filthy. You can't see them, but uh, they're really dirty because I'm always in the dirt. Well, I must admit, uh, I used to have calluses on my hands, but they're definitely soft as butter nowadays for being a bit of an office boy. I, I have um, good calluses on my hands. You might even be able to see them. Very, very strong calluses from, from my gardening work, which I love. Um, so, Jim, you kick, you kick this thing off. You are, uh, you know, doing what, you know, five, eight, ten lawns a day, you know, hustling around, making. Oh, and, and, the, and the rest of it, Peter, uh, 12 lawns a day is about my style. 12, 12 lawns a day, so 30 minutes, you know, 20, 30 minutes of lawn tops on mower on the trailer onto the next job, bang, bang, bang. That's right. Um, mate, so what, but there's a massive thing like the Jim's group is tell us a little bit about the current state of Jim's group today. Well, um, as of last, yesterday when I last checked, we're just about, just under, 4,950 franchisees. So we'll probably hit 5,000 sometime in, by the middle of the year. So it's, it's 5,000 franchisees. How many industry groups are you across now? Uh, well, 40 something. But it, it's not so much. Look, let's face it if you have a, a division with one franchisee, it's just an embarrassment. But mm. the serious ones are the ones that have at least 50 franchisees. So obviously, mowing, cleaning, test and tag dog wash rising fast these days, um, antennas, pools, 
pest control. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a problem. They put me on the spot the other day trying to get me to name them all. Um, <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot. The, the ones that are handyman, fencing is really good. There's, there's an awful lot of, of divisions. Yeah, serious. Mate, Window cleaning, carpet cleaning, those kinds of things. We'll come back a little bit later to, um, let's call it the command and control aspect of how you run this, uh, dare I say, empire. But so nearly 5,000 franchise, franchisees uh, with a franchisor network, and, and I'll, I'll, I'd like to unpack you know, what that actually means for people and, and the different levels of hierarchy and the level of different businesses that you can run within the gyms group. But, okay, so you're pushing 60 lawns a week. What made this shift from being just Jim with Jim's trailer, was it hiring your next bloke because you had too many lawns and then your next next bloke and then the one after that? Where did this expansion start? I, I have a habit of mind, which, which to me is the single most important thing that anybody can have in business. It's not having brilliant ideas. It's little tiny improvements. It's looking at your mm. business every day and saying, how can I do this better? How can I mow a lawn faster? How can I do a better edge? quicker? How can I navigate the streets more quickly? How can I make my clients delighted? How can I cut my costs? <clears throat> it's thousands and thousands of little experiments every day of my working life for the past half century, including weekends, Christmas holidays. I'm thinking, how can I do this better? I never, ever, ever stop thinking about that. So it's very little things. I started off mowing lawns. How can I do a better job quicker? Then I started getting too much work because my service was great. I always turned up on time. So I get too much work, tried putting workers on, had a lot of problems with subcontractors, poor quality work. Then I started selling lawn mowing rounds, building up and selling them. And I realized that was more lucrative. So I moved into that business. Then I had to work out how to sell business more effectively. And I wasn't very good at it. No salesperson. I had to learn the hard way how to do that, how to focus on my customers first, use them as references, then how to support them. And then um, in 1988, um, when I was just had this little business building up and selling lawn mowing rounds, which I incidentally didn't think would go anywhere. It wasn't supposed to be a long-term career. Then um, a competitor, a franchising company came to Melbourne. They were based in Adelaide. And they scared the pants off me. I even mm. tried to sort of join them in some way, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't work with me. So I decided to go into competition. So I mm. launched my first franchise in June 1989, and somebody asked me at that time how many franchises I might have one day, and I said, look, if it really goes, well, one day, one day I might have 100. That was my ambition. I want to go back to this bit about being brilliant at the basics, right? And it's one of my personal mentors. The best bit of advice I ever received uh, as a young army, young army officer from my very first commanding officer was uh, he, his literal comments were, for you to be highly successful around this place, all you need to do is be brilliant at the basics. You don't need to change the world. Just do the little things amazingly and you'll be highly successful. And it's something that's stuck with me. Now, what you might uh, people not realize, the basics are when you're whippersnipping an edge on a piece of concrete, if you hold the whippersnipper at just the right direction and the right angle, it'll actually flick all of those clippings onto the grass. It also flicks them away from the cars. So there's tiny little things like that. And if you hold it at just the right angle, you can actually walk and whippersnip at almost a half running pace with a perfect edge flicking all of the grass onto the inside, which saves you those three or four minutes per job, which gets you that one more mow done per day. Yep, so I love absolutely it. right. That's exactly how it's done. And it's, it's, a, it's very possible when you know how to use a brush. You know, I was one of the first contractors in Australia to have a brush cutter. When they first came out back in the 1970s, I saw one in the mower shop and I was always so frustrated by not being able to do all the edges perfectly around the trees yep. and so forth. I bought it on the spot, had to have it. It was a lot of money, yep. more than mower. So brush cutting is a fantastic tool because clients do not know how to use these things. So they do a terrible yeah. job. But when you're a professional, as you say, you can just walk. I actually I used to walk backwards, which was one time I actually walked backwards over over a, a, like a, a meter high edge, and I can remember my life flashing <laughs> before my eyes. I went over this thing, but that's how. You, and every look every step, like for example, how do you enter grass bag? I used to think yeah. of always, how can I save one step in, in emptying the grass bag? If I can save one step every time I enter the grass bag, I'll get this much extra time, this much extra work done. It was just constant, constant. How can I do this better? There's no such thing as doing anything perfectly. Every mm. job can be improved. Any relationship can be improved. Everything we can always do better. And it's that quest for, you know, 
that quest to be master of the detail. Like one of my heroes, a book on my shelf there, Kobe Bryant, um, he was fastidious in studying the detail and his excellence came from being masterful at, at the little things. So I really love it. And what we can see nowadays with the, uh, like the standard gym setup, it is, it's a fully developed, you know, refined system, even to the point where it, well, it's a really physical job. You know, it's hard yakka if you're in Townsville, mowing 12, 15 lawns a day. Uh, you know, even the way the trailer is designed so you can wind them up and tip them out at the tip without having a, you know, back-breaking labor. Um, so we've got to the point where, where are we? We're in the late 80s. You've got a dream of maybe 100 franchisees. When did this thing, when did the light bulb click that, hey, I'm no longer a lawnmower anymore, but I'm actually a, a, a seller of lawn mowing businesses? Well, actually, I, must- I hadn't, hadn't, at that stage, I hadn't mowed a lawn professionally for at least nine months because I was preparing. I had quite a few subbies and so forth, and I was selling lawn mowing rounds at quite a big rate. I was quite, was reasonably good at it. It just didn't seem. As, as the light, look, it's a gradual thing. It wasn't one stage. It's not like the idea struck me and suddenly I'm something different. It's just stage by stage by stage. In the beginning, I was in the office. I was answering a lot of phone calls and doing a lot of admin work. Um, yep. I don't do much of that these days. So you gradually moved on, but there's no there's no simple stage in which something everything changes. Just it, my my daily life changes all the time. I do what mm. I do now is different to what I did last year. One of the things I actually do, which is very strange in most people's eyes, I actually every single one of my franchises has my direct phone number and email address, and I mm. and I write to them and I sometimes ring people like on anniversaries and try and really keep in contact. Because it's it's a way of picking up problems with the system and also a way of learning to improve. I also handle complaints. If a customer complains first time, it goes to the franchisor to solve it out. Complaints the second time, it comes to me. And I will sort the I had a place this morning where a client complained about a poor job. And she and she rang up on Monday, didn't get a response. So I responded to her and to the franchisor. And I and I said to him, I said, I'm very sorry. What do you think we need to do? What can we make this right? But I also said to the franchise, or copied in the letter, you are in breach of the contract for not responding within 24 hours. Um, you know, you, you lose your compliance discount for the month. And I actually, I actually printed the manual section underneath that of what he'd done wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going to happen is that client's going to get a partial discount because from the sound of it, um, she's got some reasonable justification. So that's that's what I do, and that, and I do with individual customer complaints. But you know, an individual franchisee issues all the time. But you know what that does? It gets me to understand what's going wrong and how can we improve it. One of the things I always talk about is the general's mindset and how generals are able to control large large organizations, you know, tens of thousands of people sometimes, with command and control. And one of the things we're looking at is you know commander's critical information requirements or priority information requirements. What are the things that a commander must know as soon as it occurs so they can make a decisions on the health of what's going on in their, or in their organization? Uh, so what's really interesting for me, though, is uh, I want to come into it shortly, but Jim, the brand, like you know, the guy on the side of the trailers, is very much Jim Penman still involved at the coalface of understanding now, what is what is at the core of your business, and it's franchisees and it's customer service. Yes, is the, are these the building blocks that has you know really set the success of the business? Absolutely, relentless focus on particularly franchisees, Peter. Franchisees most of all, because look, we had two hundred and twenty thousand odd unserviced leads last year, and that's with actually cutting back the advertising and even giving back some of the money. So, work isn't usually a problem. Um, the reason we focus on customer service is because by focusing on customer service, more and more, more leads come in and franchises get busy and franchises can charge more. But our franchisees are the short one. We just need more franchisees. We've, we're approaching 5,000. Honestly, if we got another 1,000 franchisees tomorrow, we'd have no trouble finding them work mm. in, in certain divisions like fencing, mowing, dog wash, where there's a massive oversupply of, of work. And, and interestingly, we actually encourage and push our franchisees hard to raise their prices. We spend about 10 times more time telling them to raise their prices than we would actually suggest and they moderate them if they're not getting too much. So we actually encourage them to charge more because most franchisees take very little work and they should take more and they should charge more. 
For those that are unfamiliar with the Jim's Group and the franchise, well, everyone's going to know the Jim's Group, who you are, but for the actual headquarters and organizational structure within your group, can you just ex- uh, please explain from Jim through to the franchisors, through to the franchisees, just a few what those terms are and how they work within Jim's Group? Okay. The franchisee is this person who's mowing the lawns, washing the dogs, cleaning the cars, whatever. You have a support person, which is a franchisor. Now, in about one in five cases, that's a manager appointed by us, often local, but somebody who actually rings the franchises regularly, responds to them, runs meetings, helps them with their issues, those kind of things. We have a we have a requirement to ring ideally every week, but at least every month to see how they're going. Um, you also have a role called a divisional franchisor for some divisions like cleaning, where that's a separate person. Usually it's us. So they actually look after the needs of the division itself. So there's a variety. We've got you know, a couple of hundred franchisors who are out there supporting. You've got a few divisional franchisors and you've got the head office staff. Gotcha. So, uh, but at the franchisee level, okay, so literally as I was transitioning out of the army, one of the things I actively inquired about was I was good at mowing lawns and actually I loved doing it. Um, so I actually went into the process of, you know, inquiring whether um, a Jim's mowing franchise was right for me. Um, I'd just like to uh, just unpack that moment a little bit about what it takes to be a great franchisee because small business is not for anybody. And and actually, I'll just frame this a little bit more. One of the things, particularly for military veterans coming out, some of the things that we are great at is organization, planning, structure, people, managing, you know, all this kind of things. Some of the things that we are definitely lacking of in our business acumen are sales and marketing, cash flow and accounting, some of those real fundamentals of business. Can we just have a talk about what makes a grant great franchisee? Okay. There's, there's two things that you've said about yourself, which is really important. First of all, is that you love gardening because the thing you should go into is something you enjoy. If you love cars, car cleaning. If you love dogs, dog washing or, or pet patrol. If you love gardening, mowing is great. Um, everybody has their preference. That's the first thing. The second thing is your background from our point of view is a very good one because you are part of a structured organization. And that would include people like bank managers as well. Um, also army officers, army NCOs who are used to exercising responsibility and decision-making within a structured environment. There are certain people who should never be franchisees. And that's the person who wants to do everything their own way. He wants to rewrite the rules from the beginning. Even if they're brilliant, they cannot work as a franchisee. And to be pretty honest, that would probably apply to me. I'm a complete maverick. I would not be good at doing things in the way because I've always wanted to change things. So you've got to be a person that's able to work within the structure but take initiative. Now, you've already got most of what we need is character. The other elements of things we can provide, for example, marketing. Now, in most divisions, there are exceptions like IT and bookkeeping where they need to do some marketing. Most divisions, the marketing is done for you. What you need to do is follow up leads properly. So in other words, when you get a lead, your responsibility, bring the client back as soon as you possibly can, ideally within minutes, maximum two hours, and make an appointment. If you don't get through, you've got to text the client. That's part of the process. And you make an appointment at least two hours, never less than that, because you can't be there on time. If you can't make it, let the client know in plenty of time. If you can't get through, you text. When you get there, you go. You're in full uniform. You have a signed vehicle, impresses the clients. You approach them. You give them a quote, which is on a, on a proper process because it's in, on a on a, um, a form, on proper stationery. If you if you email, the you, if you're going to send them a quote later, then you let them know when you're going to send it. You email it, you back it up with a text because emails go astray. At any time if you can't get through to the client, you text. If you turn up and they're not there, you phone, you text. So there's a whole set of processes that will teach you how to approach your client. Now, once you've done that, we'll also teach you how to upsell. We'll teach you the questions to ask. We'll teach you how to get referrals. There are phrases that you use. For example, you want to get a referral. Here's how you do it. You finish the job. You go to the client. You say, here's my business card. But that's a reasonable thing to offer. And then you say, and here's a couple of extra in case you know anybody who needs work mm. done. Now, you don't ask the direct question because that invites a person feeling pressured. You can get rejected. You put it like that. You want a, you want to upsell, which is a big skill. We'll teach you how to do that. What you do is you do this. You say, look, your lawn's looking great. Is there anything else you ever want done? If you want your rubbish removed, your gutters cleared, 
your garden spider, happy to help. See, you make a statement, you show you what to do, you don't ask a direct question, you don't risk rejection. So there are ways that we teach you, this is all part of the training process, to actually market yourself, but in a very understated way. You don't need to be a professional salespeople. Professional salespeople tend to make very good franchisees, very good, because they're used to selling. But you don't need that skill. When it comes to bookkeeping, a lot of divisions, we actually give you three months worth of free bookkeeping as part of the package. If not, Jim's bookkeeping is a strongly recommended business that will know how to help you with what you do. If you have any issues, you talk to your franchisor who will be ringing you regularly. So it's a whole coaching process to set you up in business. And it's a very simple thing that you can look at why you franchise them. And there's, there's one statistic that's worth looking at. If you go into a gardening or a cleaning business as an independent, your chance of being still in business at the end of 12 months is between 5 and 10%. Now, you can look this up on the internet. It's out there. Your chance, if you join gyms, of being in business at the end of the first year is 88%. Mm. So the difference is that 12% do leave, sometimes because they, they fail, sometimes because they get offered a better job, sometimes because they got medical sometimes because they leave. But that's the difference between leads. It's between upfront training, which is a fairly tough course, and then you get ongoing support, and then you usually get lots of leads. And we also have a system called pay for work guarantee. If you don't get enough work, you can do freebies and we'll pay you for doing them, which is a great way to build the business. One of the things I'm always fascinated in business, and it's a reflection of my army career, is control, right? Control, And by control, I don't mean, and, and again, nothing so dominating or you know um, toxic masculinity, but I just mean control in terms of structure and process. So that mm. things are comfortable and in, in a state of ease and flow. And the way that we look, we get control in a business is consistency plus visibility. Now, this consistency word uh, seems to be the essence of what Jim's is about. Number one is you're fastidiously focusing on attention to detail and being brilliant at the basics. But number two, consistency is ultimately let's capture excellence and repeat it until we can learn. Now- yep. The gym's model has, look, 1989 to 23, what are we? got about 35-odd years of constant learning, capture excellence, tweak and adjust so that you have a really refined and defined set of procedures and structures on what makes a great business. Mm. And we're always improving them too. We, we're never satisfied. We, we learn new things all the time. We're learning a lot lately. One of the things we've most learned lately is how to build a major business. We've got some people who are very, very effective at putting on workers and having teams of workers. Um, in fact, part of our training process now, we have one guy called Dan Carl who is fantastic at that. He built a business. This is a high school dropout, you know, learned good stuff through McDonald's. Again, structured environment, management there, similar kind of thing. Um, in, as a franchisee, he was turning out just under a million dollars a year. And his, and his rating was 5.0, one of the best customer service rating there was. Now, he's become, he's off the, the tools. He's now a franchisor. He's a trainer. But he teaches people how to do that. We had a whole day recently where we actually invited in the, the, the best operators and said, this is how you build these great businesses. And we had some of these successful people talking about this. Now, the people he trains directly as a franchisor are actually tend to make very, very good money. It's interesting you say that because, okay, if I'm just doing some quick sums in my head, you know, if I'm doing, you know, let's say 10, 15 lawns a day, five days a week, sometimes five and a half, you know, maybe, uh, you know, as a sole business owner, just me on the, me on the truck and the trailer myself, you know, I might be ticking over a hundred, you know, a bit more, a bit less summer, something like that. Fairly decent coin for being your own boss and, you know, in charge of your own destiny. But it's not just about that. There is some scalability in this model here because yes. you came, you mentioned it before about pricing. Uh, one of the things that I really believe people want in business today is just do what you're going to say. Turn up when you're going to say, particularly in the commercial space, because my experience with gyms, it wasn't just domestic residential work. A large part of it was commercial work. And commercial people just want you to be consistent. The price is not necessarily their driving factor. Do the job for me, a great job. When are you going to say you do it? And take that worry away from me. I'd say with everybody, Peter, domestic, just as much as commercial, it's all about service. People on the whole don't mind paying more. Look, we say to yeah. people quite bluntly about this. I had somebody write to me. He said, I want to get some lawn mowing done, clean up. 
I'm really, you know, short of money. I don't be ripped off. And I said, listen, if you want a cheap price, high pages. You got a high yep. page, you get five different quotes, you get the cheapest, won't necessarily be a great job, but it's the way to get the cheapest job. Come to us if you want great service, great looking job, you want reliability, you want, you want um, police checks, you want somebody behind you. We're not going to be the cheapest. We will never be the cheapest. It's, it's all about it's all about great service. We are not cheap as chips. We are the other end of the market. We are the quality service, the quality price. One of the things that we love in our little you know home life here is uh, we call it Merv Day because we've got a great cleaner called Merv. And the little bit of joy that my wife gets when she walks into the house because we've got little kids and the house is always you know craziness. The little bit of joy she gets uh, every week, you know, every fortnight when she walks into the house after Merv left is really, it's, it's, it's about understanding the highest value of your time as well. One of the things I always come back to in military mindset is delegate to elevate. So, you know, when you've got services like Jim that can give you that, exp- that feeling of the house being spotless, of the car being done perfectly, of the yard being done immaculately. And, and being able to elevate that time to focus on, you know, what you're great at, you know, is, is really important. But in terms of the delegate to elevate piece, I'd like to just explore how you did that and then what, how you've built teams around you so that you can, number one, have the time to have your finger on the call face, because that's no small thing to have your franchises having your phone number. Okay. But what's, how have you built a team structure around this? Before we go to that, can I just make a point about price? You mentioned 100 grand a mm. year. That's pathetic. No way you would even get out of bed for that. Listen, yep. it's all about, it's not just about mowing lawns in that particular case. It's about upselling. Give me an example, okay? If I'm going to mow somebody's lawn these days, a typical lawn would be about 60 bucks, okay, which would take yep. you, say, 30, 35 minutes. But if I'm going to go there, what I'm going to do is to ask you for something like gutter clearing. Now, if I'm going to clean your gutters, I'll take three quarters of an hour, but I'm going to be charging 150 bucks for it. So the hourly rate is higher. People are very strongly encouraged to go in and upsell. Upsell is better. You're already there. There's no travel and your hourly rate is better. We did a survey of our franchisees recently in mowing. The typical franchisee was turning over $2,900 per week. Now, some of them are part-time, bear in mind. That's yeah. That would amount to a net income of something over hundred grand a year. If you're not making at least 60 bucks an hour, you shouldn't be in business. In our in our view, in our kind of business, that's the thing. All right. Now, when it comes to delegation, yes. Okay. Now, one of my great abilities, my great strengths as a business leader is that I'm p- absolutely pathetic at almost everything. All right. I'm a lousy manager. I know nothing about accounts. I'm not particularly good at sales. <laughs> There's so many things I don't know how to do. So what's happened is the great thing about that is when you're pathetically bad at something, you find people who are good and you put them on. And what I've done is got through a number of great leaders. They often come through the franchising system or the call center, usually from within. But I found people who are just capable of doing really well the things that I can do. And what I do is spend my time actually talking to them. And there's certain things I do with direct, like PR, like um, customer relations, like contact with franchisees directly, those kinds of areas, innovation, that, that sort of stuff. But mostly I find people who can do the things that I can't. And I've made some terrible mistakes. I've put on completely the wrong people and they've been absolutely disastrous. I had an accountant one time who actually stole money from me quite a lot. I made really, really bad mistakes. But with time, you gradually learn to get better at this and make just a few less mistakes. But, you know, even recently in the last, we're spending about $5 million a year on computer software. I put the wrong IT manager in for several years. It cost me millions of wasted resources and and also loss of time. So you you never get to be perfect at it. I I quite frankly look at myself and I have no idea how I achieved anything. Look at all the things I'm I'm terrible at. But recognizing, finding people who can do what you can't do. It really seems that the the power of the Jim's group, obviously, um, like your name is on the side of the trailer and your face is on the side of the trailer, but a real kind of uh, egalitarian or humble way of doing business, a way that is feels very Australian to me in terms of, you know, we park our ego at the door. We're all just people doing our thing and hustling, you know, to look after our families and start great businesses. 
Um, how do you feel now, you know, 5,000 odd franchisees, how often do you see your own face as you go around your normal life on trailers and trucks and signs and boards? <laughs> well, quite a lot, obviously. <laughs> if I if I drive my son to school, which I do, I drive him and pick him up um, almost every day. Um, that's quite a distance. So we'll usually see a few gyms people around. Yeah, it's it's what it's, is, how have you how have you of a per, as a person um, feel about being the face of this brand? Because again, like gyms is iconic. When I chat to people, say oh, I like talk to Jim today, they'll be like, you know, Jim who, and I'll be like, you know, Jim. Jim's mowing. Like everybody knows that. Have, do you have you felt it um, invade your personal life at all, or are you happy to live the brand? No, I, I do get approached. Don't forget, I don't look like my logo. I've got no beard no, and no. I'm alone. So you wouldn't. But I've been on a lot of social media stuff uh, lately, so people tend to know me. But I mean, I get approached probably at least every week or two, one or twice a week by somebody. But they're always very nice. They've often heard about my feud with. Um, with the uh, our beloved state premier here and uh, for shutting us down in 2020. And, and that gave me a lot of exposure, but I was seen as defending my people and also other independent contractors. So it's usually very, very positive, which is, which is nice. So I don't know. It's a bit embarrassing. My, my son, my children get embarrassed. I was picking up my son from a, um, from a party and he, he desperately rang me in the car. Dad, don't get out of the car. Because if you get out of the car, it'll come across people will jump on you because it embarrassed me. He's a 13 year old kid. He's horrified. I, I said, it's your own fault because I, 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 he forgot his bathers one time. And I went, I went to the school and he was in the, in the swimming pool and I threw his bathers. <laughs> you stupid boy, forgot your bathers. And then all his classmates knew who I was. So he was, oh, your dad's uh, Jim. Poor As kid. a parent, if you're not embarrassing your children, you're not doing something right. Well, yeah, so. You are completely right, Peter. <laughs> but I managed to embarrass them in spades. Most of them don't even tell their friends. I'm going to come back to uh, a number you threw out there before. 200,000 leads uh, unanswered yeah. uh, for, for an effective business. So the gym's model, uh, I just want to unpack a little bit at what the gym's model means for a franchisee who may be wanting to start a business. So let's just say in my local neighborhood, uh, there is a territory. Um, can you tell us a little bit of how my territory works, how the leads come to me, and how we actually have a business that has 200,000 un- unanswered leads? Because did all of those leads go to franchisors but then weren't picked up, or there's just too much work out there? Now, what happens is that every franchisee puts down the work they want. Now, you've got various things. You have your territory where you get exclusive right of first refusal if you want it. And then there's your wider areas which you can take, and you choose them. And you can also choose which services you want. For example, you might be a mower. You don't want to do double-story gutters, but single stories are okay. So you choose. Mm. Don't want to do rubbish. Don't want to do pruning. So you choose what you want. So it's a service code. Now, what happens is the, the system comes in. Well, a job comes into the system either online or through the call center. You put the details in, and then it would check who's available, taking work today, at this time, in that area, doing that service. If there's nobody available, you apologize to the client. So, look, I'm very sorry. We've got nobody available. That's a very common thing to do. Um, if there is somebody available, you allocate it to the franchisee. And there's a, there's a system of priority, like the territory holder gets first go, then it's anybody else in the same region, regional franchise, then it's anybody else in the division, and it's people from other divisions can choose it sometimes too. So there's this whole – and then we look at who's closest and who's had the fewest jobs in the last three days. So there's various mechanisms. It's all computerized heavily. So we know exactly what each franchisee wants. We give them exactly the work they want, where they want it, how much they want. Well, not, they don't always get everything they want, but usually they do. And, and then we just allocate it accordingly. And then they're responsible for looking after their client. And after 10 days, we'll actually survey the client and ask them about the response. If they didn't get back to the client, they're in trouble. So a normal career path as a franchise may be like, go and inquire. Uh, you you. Join the franchise, you, you pay, you, you buy your business. So you can either buy it off somebody else who may be selling an existing business, yep. or you may go into a new territory and start from fresh. But then Jim's does the marketing for you. So, yes. the, and this is one of the things I was talking about before, particularly, uh, you know, how would I describe it? The security of setting up a business. When I first went into business, we were solely responsible for our own lead creation and sales conversion. And lead creation is always challenging for any business. You yes. basically solve that problem for them, for them by saying, right, 
When the phone rings, if it's your territory, you get the lead. If it's, You get exclusive rights and first right to refusal to that lead. So as I go through then and build my book, and I believe you've got a guarantee when you're starting a new franchise about guaranteed work. Can you just unpack that again? It's, it's, it's called a pay-for-work guarantee. And it's the exception to say we, we don't necessarily provide all you want. Most cases, most franchises get a fairly busy and don't need it. If you're not hmm. making a sort of money, and it's usually not a lot, it's between $1,000 and $2,000 a week. We say, yep. if you don't make that much money, what you do is you go offer free services. For example, if you're a dog wash person, you can, uh, anybody you know, any friends, any neighbours, any relatives, any any gyms, franchise, and other divisions, you can offer it to them. Anybody who's not a client business, you go and you wash their dog for free. You put the claim in, name, address, phone number, sent to your franchisor, your franchisor pays you. The mm. reason that's effective rather than an income guarantee as such is because when you do that, you'll pick up work because the people you do freebies for will get you back. You've done a yes. good job with the dog, with the lawn, with the cleaning, with the windows, and they'll, they'll want you back and they'll get one extra work done. They'll often become regular. They'll refer you, whatever. You, you're seeing the street once you're out there. So what we find is that anybody who does that consistently will always succeed. I've never had a franchisee fail for lack of work if they follow that practice. I have had people fail who don't want to do it, who want to sit back and say, I'll only take leads from the office. I don't want to offer freebies. That's a pretty amazing statistic. Never had a failure over several thousand, uh, many thousands of, of, of attempts here. Yeah. So, Not that I know of, Peter. I haven't heard of yeah. it. But I so, know many who failed who don't do that. So if I'm aspirational and I'm keen to grow a business, I, I get my business, I get my trailer, I get my car, and I'm on, I'm on my way. Then uh, gradually I fill my own book. I fill my own week. Then the next step might be to get me an offsider. And all of a sudden, I'm probably going to do 50% more jobs in a week because I've got somebody else helping me. But then at that point, you can sort of turn it off and turn it on wherever you're happy. So if that's enough for me, like I'm happy to have a $200,000 business with an offsider that I'm paying well, you know, whatever the numbers are, I can sit and settle there. And that's where I turn my leads off. I'm like, thanks, Jim. We don't need any more leads coming in. However, if I'm aspirational and I want to grow, I can go put that second vehicle on. I can put that third vehicle on. I can keep that lead source you know, flowing and I can just continue to grow businesses. And this is the way that we can have a humble little uh, you know, lawn mowing franchise or any kind of Jim's group franchise kicking over a million bucks a year. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and some of them do a lot more than that too. It's, and it's also, it's, it's great too, because if you put a worker on, you turn the tap on, you say more leads. If, if, you, mm. if the worker's sick or off, you turn it off. You don't take less leads. I would say, though, Peter, one thing I strongly emphasize to everybody is at least take your territory. In the beginning, most work comes outside your territory. The ideal is take your, even if you're flat out, take your territory. You might need to get a job every month, but that job is a regular in the same street as another regular or next door to it, and you keep mm. on doing that. And what you do then is you start to get rid of the outlying clients that aren't so lucrative for you. And you can do it in various ways. One of the best ways to do it is by a split. So you, you shy, hive off a number of clients, maybe by yourself or conjunction with somebody else, and that becomes a business that a new person can buy. And then you pocket your $20,000, which means you pay your fees for the next three years. That's the okay. idea to do it. But constantly more and more leads, sell off your existing regular customers if you've got them, and make your run more and more condensed and more and more lucrative. Okay, I just want to um, explore that again. So a split. So if I've got, let's just say, 100 lawns uh, on my run, yeah. um, 100 lawns is that capacity. Um, I can then say, look, 25 of my lawns, they, they're every, every fortnight they're scheduled, it's programmed yeah. maintenance. I'm going to sell those 25 to a new franchisee or to somebody else, and yeah. I, literally get to, I, I literally get to uh, pocket the cash for it. Yeah, well, there's commission that's paid. You've got to buy extra territory rights, which probably cost you about four grand. And you also, there's 20% resale fee. But yep. yes, but usually a, a, well, because it's an established business, it's worth more than a, a new one. Mm. So it, they actually tend to go for a higher price. But you'd need about 65 clients to get a person off what we call pay for work guarantee status, which is what you need to do. So they, they're there, they've got a full run, they're basically busy from the word go. So let's come back to the uh, strategic plan of the Jim's group, if I may. So you're at you're sitting at just a shy under five thousand franchisees at the moment. We've got fifty odd groups, or many, 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 many different kinds of groups and services and divisions. 
Uh, have you ever tried to take Jim Global? Well, we've, we're, we're quite strong in New Zealand. We've got about 300 plus in New Zealand, less per capita than Australia. We're working on that. And we've got about, um, oh, about 60 in Canada, in, in Vancouver, in, in British Columbia. Never gone beyond that. We, we tried the UK, uh, really didn't work for us. Um, basically our fault. We just approached it wrong. But, but one day we'll go. The thing of it is, the point of it is in Australia, our brand is so well known in New Zealand, that it's much easier to start a new division in Australia or New Zealand mm. than it is to try and get the brand into an area like the United States. Because starting a new division is easy because you've immediately, you're immediately, like we had somebody who was, who, who was inquiring about Jim's glass and they did a survey with customers, potential customers, and members of the public, and we put them a number of options. There was a couple of local glazing companies. There was O'Brien's, which is by far the biggest glazing company in the country, and there was Jim's Glass. And we asked the clients which they which they would choose, prospective clients. Now, O'Brien's did actually substantially better than the locals. Jim's Glass did far better than O'Brien's. And the funny thing about that is Jim's Glass didn't even exist Mm. So we didn't even have a, a, a business, and it was the best-known glazing company in the country. It's so easy to get a new division going when you've got that sort of thing. And actually, in fact, what we need is the entrepreneur to drive it. So we've just started a business, like Jim's Laundry started two years ago. It's got 60 franchisees. We just started a new one. There's new divisions starting all the time, and they just, if they're with the right leadership, they can do brilliantly well. So the nation's growing. There's more houses. There's more lawns to mow. There's more factories to maintain. There's more you know, things to clean. There's always things to do. As a nation, we grow. Um, there's also always different kind of services and divisions. So I can either, A, if I, if you mentioned it before, love a particular niche, whether it be, you know, mowing, um, you know, attention to detail with cars or, you know, just love animals. There's, there's something for you doing if you love. But there's also an opportunity for you or someone out there to create a whole new gyms is division the right term. So I yes. could come up with Pete's uh, head, uh, Jim's hairdressing, not that it's going to do me any favors at the moment, but yeah. you've, you've probably got Jim's hairdressing out there. Do you? not, not yet. No. You don't. So if I wanted to start a mobile Jim's barbering service or a mobile Jim's hairdressing yeah. service, how would I do that? Or if I, if I've thought of a new little niche, particularly in the tech space, potentially, What's a new service that's being out there that hasn't been uh, developed by the Jim's group? How would I set that up? Okay. The first thing you do, you email, usually me, jim at jims.net, or it will get referred to me if it comes through social media or whatever. Then I will speak to you about it, and I'll say, first of all, what's your hourly rate can you get from this? Yeah. You know, now, if you can't show me the average person can make at least 60 bucks an hour, I'm not going to consider it because that's not worth doing. I also want to know what's your background industry, what do you know about it? How do you, but you know about how it's done? Do you know about how people are qualified, how they're trained, what you charge for them, what hourly rates you get, all that kind of stuff. So you have to understand it. Now, if that looks good, I've also got to see, are you, are you, am I impressed by you? What kind of person are you? What have you done? Now, you might not have been in business. You might have worked for somebody, but maybe you were a manager or a supervisor or something like that. Okay. We then get you to come to training. There's a three-day generic training course. There's a three-day franchise or training course in that course of that those courses will look at you, especially franchise or course, because it's a lot smaller. We'll check you out. We'll look at you. If you don't do well, you'll fail. You won't get one. At the end of it, we've actually by this time already given you a contract. It hasn't actually cost you very little, very little to get into. Basically, all you've got to do is to cover setting up your website and you've got to pay some ongoing fees, which is um, six months fees in advance, probably about $30,000, $25,000, dollars something like that. So there's a little bit of money up front then you've got to set up then you've got to start perhaps doing the work yourself. You've got to start recruiting franchisees as fast as you can. Now, your aim is to give have 30 franchisees within three years. Until that time, it's a rental. You don't own. You get the income from it. You don't own it. As soon as you've hit 30, we grant it to you because you've mm. proven yourself. And that, that's the process. In that, we actually give you ongoing support as a franchisor. You'll also have a support system. There'll be a meeting that you'll come into regularly every month where we talk with other people about how to do it. Somebody will be ringing you and talking to you about your issues. And it's not just the leverage about the uh, from the support you get. It's the leverage of the supporting brands. You know, the supporting brands in the gyms group that just continue to put you know um, your brand position out there. I'm just interested a little bit between the B2C versus B2B 
breakup of the gyms group. How much of what you're doing, like, for example, uh, the services of B2C, like the mowing kind of thing, versus the bookkeeping that are B2B from a business perspective, are you very much still heavily weighted B2C or are there B2B opportunities out there? Um, divisions like bookkeeping and IT are very difficult because it's a, it's a lot more expensive to get leads. The more manual it is, things like gardening, fencing, dog wash, cleaning, um, the easier it is to find leads. If it's more cerebral desk work, it's a lot more expensive. Just as an example, our average, um, one of the main important statistics in terms of um, success, which we do through our annual survey, is we ask franchisees, what, uh, how would you describe your income? Good, satisfactory, poor. We don't ask the amount. We just want to rate them that way. Now, on average, a bit over half would be good, about 8% poor. But that's wildly different between divisions. For example, I just checked with IT and they're 48% poor because it's a lot harder to get an IT business off the ground. Other divisions, it's like 4% poor income. And that's really, really because there's so much work. Like if you're in fencing, the work's coming out your ears. It's just we've got about 60% unserviced. So there's nowhere in the world that you should make more money out of fencing. So it depends on the division. The yeah, biggest divisions it. are the ones that with masses of work, like mowing and, and dog washing, those ones. I caught a train from Melbourne City to the Avalon Air Show two weeks ago, and the amount of new housing that is going up, I don't know Melbourne well, along that train line was just gobsmacking the amount of Literally, just the amount of fencing that could that could be going up there, you know, kilometers yeah. and kilometers and kilometers. This stuff just they just one after the other. Um, one thing there people don't realize, Peter, is that actually we don't even control most of the market. We we could be we could be treble the size. Even mowing, we're only a fraction of the market. We we look like we're everywhere, but you don't see the independents because nobody notices them. We we mm. could be massively bigger than we are. We could we could have twenty thousand franchisees instead of five thousand, and we still couldn't cope with the work. It's it's just boggling out there because again the nation grows the you know there's there's always more work to do out there and as people get busier we need to be able to delegate to elevate we need people to help us um, you know lift the value of our time um, in my personal business trust the process we always focus on three key things systemize automate delegate systemize is great process and we can see with the gyms group that you've got thirty years of fastidious attention to detail about how to create good process, capture excellence and repeat. Automate is all about great tech platforms. Can you share with us how you know your IT and technology is really supporting the local franchisee? How, are we, how is that empowering their business? Well, a lot of it's got to do with the way we direct leads to them. And there's lots of different ways to do it. For example, the way we treat previous customers that come through, they can choose that. The kind of information we give them. One of the things they can opt for, for example, is unserviced leads in their in their region. That'll tell mm. them: is there an area just beyond the border that I could take leads or like certain kinds of leads that are going unserviced that I could do? See, we had one guy notice, for example, a lot of gutter clearing. Gutter clearing is very lucrative, so he just started to make a business just focusing on gutters. He doesn't take anything else, only gutter clearing, because that way he can make himself, you know, thousand dollars a day, and it's not hard work. So. There's a lot of systems to do with that. There's systems to do with the, um, obviously, customer service because the level of customer service you give is a very good predictor of how well you'll do. For example, if you are a really top-rated franchisee, your chance of reporting poor income is about one-eighth of that as somebody who's on the, in the bottom category. So it's, it's, it's hugely important for us to help them. Even, even a complaint, nobody loves a complaint or a bad survey, but if you can teach you how not to do that thing in the future, Mm. you're going to do better because you'll convert leads into jobs and ongoing income. And then, there's, and then there's the software for franchisees. Now, I have to say at the moment, it's not particularly brilliant, but we have a system being rewritten completely, a system called Jim's Jobs that should be ready by August, and that will be fantastically helpful in all kinds of ways. It will make it much, much easier to look after clients. It will do things like we hope book jobs directly, from the client into their diary because it'll know where they are. It'll 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 reduce the level of complaints. It'll remind them to do things. It'll send out automatic texts. It'll chase debts. It'll do all kinds of things that are way beyond present. We have spent probably thirty million dollars on software mm. development over the years, and that is a huge key to success these days. Systemize good process. Automate the right platforms. 
delegate the right people. One of the things that we're really passionate about when we you know, work with business owners is how do we keep people in the relationship and revenue space and strip administration out of the business? Because relationships and revenues are the dollar generating activities. Um, Jim's has got a back-end support, you know, particularly doing this lead generation part of it. That's a big part of the administrative role in the business that Jim's looks after the local franchisees. Um, where, where do you see the best business owners, the best franchisees in, in having that administri- administrative support to be able to keep their team focused on relationship and revenues? Do you see any correlations there? Look, the hardest thing about growing the business is actually it's not leads, it's, it's people, it's finding staff, finding good staff and supervising. That's, that's the issue. Effectively, anybody could, more as any division, could, could build a major business. Uh, and most, most franchises don't have a second vehicle. Quite a lot of them have outsiders. But have a second vehicle is really challenging to maintain your quality of service there. So that's the hard part. But, and that's a, that's a whole lot of things. It's knowing how to supervise them. It's knowing how to relate to them, how to make them feel appreciated and 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 and, and engaged, and how to make them like you, and 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 how to incentivize them financially to to do what you want them to do, and 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 how to deal with with issues that arrive and complaints, and how you how you cope with that, and how you train and teach. It's 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 not easy. Most, most people with the right kind of support can run a successful franchise business. Only a minority can actually get to the stage where they have, have staff members working without their direct supervision. Mm. Now, Jim, this is, it's fascinating. And I love the story. I love the fact that, you know, a, a bloke that started a little humble lawn mowing business, pushing, you know, pushing lawn mowers, um, which is something that I, you know, I find very satisfactory. I, like I said, I, I could think of nothing better than sitting on a ride on lawnmower for a couple of days with the test cricket on in my headphones, feeling like I'm uh, contributing to the planet in some way. But how you've taken this business from you know one little franchise to five thousand, uh, you know you must have tens of thousand customers and you know half a billion dollars of revenue or whatever the Jim's Group does. It's just an amazing success story. Um, I really appreciated talking to uh, Jim Penman. Um, the guy who is, you know, the person and the inspirational entrepreneur behind this. Um, Jim, can you just leave us with some final thoughts on what makes a great franchisee and what doesn't? Because this is really important, particularly for those, you know, of my audience, audience that are uh, in the military and looking to transition. Why, what would make Jim's a great career choice and what sort of person are you looking for that really fits that mold? Anybody who who likes doing the work they're doing, who has the background in the military is good. One of our best early franchises was a guy called uh, Rick Ashland. He was the one who pioneered a lot of the things we did. He's actually an army sergeant and he was very disciplined. He had systems and structures for everything, including the way he washed his trailer. He had a way of doing it, he described to it, which was yeah. so easy, so simple, so quick. His, his equipment maintenance was by the book. So Rick is a, He's a classic great franchisee because he's really system-oriented, which is what they teach you in the Army. So that's a great start. Now, look, first of all, customer service should be, it should be a passion. I am emotional about customer service. Customers get upset like that email I got this morning. I really wasn't happy about that customer not getting looked after. That's an emotional driver, which is really nothing to do with the rationality. If I look after this customer, I'll make more money. It doesn't even figure. Emotionally, I'm driven by it. You want somebody who cares about customers because if you don't really care about what you're doing, if you're only doing it for money, you'll cut corners. If you really want the customers to be amazed and delighted, then you'll tend to do it. And I'm very emotional, particularly about my franchisees. The thing that makes me happy is a franchisee doing well. The thing that makes me upset is a franchisee doing badly, far more than anything to do with balance sheets. It's a very visceral, personal thing to me. And if I take pride in anything, it's the fact that most of my franchisees do do so well. And the other thing, as I said before, is you must have an attitude of constant improvement. The best people are not the people who are the smartest, not the people who've got the best personality, because I'm none of these. It's the people who look every day and say, how can I do this better? And they're never, ever, ever, ever satisfied. That's what I need. That's the kind of person. If I could find someone like that, we've got a book. 
It's called Every Customer a Fan. And I like people to read that because if they read it, they sense the passion and they look at it. And the best people are the people that say, this is me. We had a lady called Sharon Connell. She was a hospital administrator. She was thinking about buying a cleaning franchise. This was a few years back. And she said, but I don't want to be a clean. That's a bit too manual for me because I've got a you know administrative job. But she got a copy of my book. She looked, he said, I like those values. I love the values in that. So she bought a cleaning franchise. A few months later, she became a franchisor. She became the best franchisor in cleaning history. And then I said to Sharon, and I grabbed her. I said, I'm going to give you the dog wash division. This is the deal we'll offer you. Take that. It had 60 franchisees at the time. It's now got 230 of them rising fast. But, but Sharon is the person who, who lives, the, she, she emotionally lives it. She loves her franchisees. She's so, she's just full of, 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 of love for them. She wants them to succeed. She's emotionally engaged with them, involved with them. She's got that nature and she can, and she can inspire them with her enthusiasm and her love of, of the business. And Jim, you just, you just exude that yourself in the way I can just sit here like the listeners uh, that don't have the video video here won't be able to see the way that your emotion is just literally coming across. But this is actually something that, you know, you've put your heart on your sleeve and you've built something that can you know, change the lives of, you know, many, many thousands of, of business owners out there. Um, my key takeaways from this are, again, being brilliant at the basics. You're really enforcing that for me, but that, you know, to create a successful business like this, capturing excellence and repeating, you know, looking for continuous improvement, being brilliant at the basics and doing and doing the little things, you know, really, really well. The second thing is, um, my key takeaway is don't underestimate the financial success you can have from something like this. You know, this is, if you are happy to have a $100,000 plus business where you control your time and, you know, you work when you want to work, you, um, that you can have that. But there's also, uh, if you're motivated and aspirational enough, you can turn this into a million-dollar business um, with, and you've got the support and the learning and the history and the structure of the Jim's group behind you. Um, Jim, if I'm ever keen to kick off and you know get back into lawn mowing one day, how would I do it? What's my first point of contact? Just go to www.gyms.net and, and you'll see all the details. You, you book it in, send you to the right division. Or even if you've got a, not even lawn mowing, Peter, you might want to do something to do with some other area that you're passionate about. You might want to start a new division. It's actually, well, it's actually look, amazing. we had a guy who was actually <laughs> Mr. Antennas and, and, he, um, and he was given them more than half his income and he came to us, basically started up Jim's Antennas, which we didn't have at that stage, he later sold the business for just under $3 million and then went back and bought Mr. Antennas and a whole lot of other businesses. He's a multi-millionaire. So it could be a new division we never even thought of. Have a well, think. The reason I was asking about B2B before is with Trusted Process, we very do. We do process improvement in businesses. We implement CRMs uh, into businesses, customer relationship management tools, and we do digital transformation and digital marketing. Uh, and we've also got uh, quite a large outsourcing agency where we find the best people in the world to do the best job at the best price. Uh, so I was just, I was instantly yeah, thinking. Jim's business, uh, yeah. Jim's business coaching. Jim's business coaching. Should I do that, or could I also do maybe like Jim's, uh, you know, Jim's business development? I, you know, yeah. Jim's Jim's virtual assistants, mate. The, uh, believe yeah. me, the wheel, the wheels were ticking over. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and it's look, it's just people come <laughs> with an idea. I had somebody approach me just about uh, six weeks ago. They said Jim's beauty, which is to do with things like nails and stuff. Did the questions? Actually, a successful yep. franchise already. Now about to launch. Who knows? Now, Jim, we can't have a. Uh, I, I see Jim's beauty needing maybe some long lashes on the on the icon on the side of the uh, maybe Fiat five hundred. You know, running around. I don't really see it being a, a truck and a trailer. No, no, wouldn't. you'd actually, you'd actually, you'd actually have a vehicle. You'd actually have your your, your family's sedan, and you'd put, and you'd sign it. You'd, you'd wrap it. They do great wrappings yeah. these days, so your vehicle looks like a great business. Now you wouldn't have a trailer. Be cheap to get into. Um, a lot of people. This person who's doing it has got a lot of contacts, mostly Asian ladies. It's yep. it's a it's a it's a very you can run it flexibly from home. You know our fastest growing businesses. They're all things like dog wash and cleaning, which are female-friendly laundry, female-friendly suits a woman who can work part-time, see her kids, pick up her kids from school, work from home to some extent. Those kinds of businesses very are doing really – they're the fastest-growing ones we've got. Yeah. 
And what a great thing to do to be able to empower female entrepreneurship, getting their own businesses going, uh, you know, and creating, you know, the, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, Jim, it's a real pleasure. You know, we, uh, you wouldn't remember, but the first time I met you, I was literally pushing uh, lawns, pushing lawnmowers up there in Townsville and you, you swung by and I've got your book on the shelf, uh, you know, back there. Uh, it is a real pleasure to be able to talk to an icon of Australian business, someone who started humbly and has created uh, a true brand icon in Australia. But more importantly, the gym behind gyms is, I love the fact that you. St- I still feel that you're the same person that kicked, in- that kicked this thing off. Yeah. And- yeah. In a bit Australia, less hair than I used to have, but uh, same person. <laughs> Mate, like, uh, you know, you don't have the beard like we see on the side of the trailer, but it's a real pleasure to touch base today. Anyone who's interested in a, a gyms mowing franchise, head to the website. Pretty simple. It is uh, www. Oh, tell us, Jim. It's uh, gyms.net.au. No, no, right? no, 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 gyms.net. 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 It's all over the world. Brilliant. Have a great day. Um, looking forward to uh, connecting with you in the future. And thank you very much for your time today on the Military Mindset for Business podcast. Thanks, Peter.